Okay. <laughs> Sorry, folks. A, a little uh, delay there. Uh, no music here. Skip, put the music on if you, if you can right now, just so we get the uh, kind of... There we go. Okay. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to The Skinny for Friday, July 28th. All right. We just need to get a little... I, I need to have that music to break and really set properly mood, set it. You know? All right, all right, you can turn it down. All right, I'm Mitch Perry, senior political reporter for the Florida Phoenix, joined with Ray by Ray Rowe, the creative loafing What's editor up? chief. Good morning, everybody. Uh, ben Montgomery, our third amigo, is on vacation this week. He's in France. Is that right? He's in France eating cheese. Um, shout out to all the skaters from from Tampa representing in the uh, World Cup Junior World Derby or uh, Roller Derby. So that's really cool. Oh, is that right? Yeah, okay, yeah. thank you for that. Okay, well, anyway, welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks so much. Sorry for that little slight delay there. Here, uh, we're going to get into the latest going on with the Florida government and politics later in the program with veteran Tampa Bay Area Democratic State Senator Daryl Roussan, who has served in the legislature for going up to 16 years now, the most you can basically spend consecutively these days in the era of term limits. But first, we're going to talk about the state of labor here in Florida and the country. And of course, the big news this week, uh, huge news, was the announcement of the deal between the Teamsters Union representing United Parcel Service workers and their management, averting what could have been, what some say, the most significant work stoppage since the 1970s. Uh, that did not happen, thankfully. So you'll get your uh, packages still in the mail <laughs> next Wednesday or Thursday. Because, But it was really looking bleak. In fact, so we were preparing for this show the last week or so, hoping to get somebody from the uh, Teamsters Union on here to talk about that. But we we do have somebody from the union here. We've got Jim Janenko on. Jim is the president of the International Operating Engineers Local 487, which is part of the 4 to AF of LCIO. Jim, good morning. Hey, good morning, Mitch. Thanks for uh, having me. Great to join you. Yeah, great to have you here with us. Uh, a lot to talk about, Jim, but uh, we'll talk about beginning about the um, this agreement, though, because this is a really a major development. And I want to tell our listeners about what actually happened here. Um, I'm reading from actually a press release that the Teamsters put out uh, when the announcement was made. I guess it was a Monday or Tuesday of this week. They call it historic wage increases. Existing full and part-time UPS Teamsters will get $2.75 uh, cents more per hour this year and $7.50 more per hour over the length of the contract. Existing part-timers will be raised up to no less than $21 per hour immediately and part-time seniority workers earning more under a market rate adjustment will still receive new general wage increases. Uh, let's see, general wage increases for part-time workers will be double the amount obtained in the previous UPS Teamsters contract. Uh, wage increases for full-timers will keep UPS uh, the highest paid delivery d- drivers in the nation, improving their average top rate to $49 per hour. Uh, new part-time hires at UPS will start at $21 per hour and advance to $23 per hour. And there'll be safety and health protections, including vehicle air conditioning and cargo ventilation. UPS will equip in-cab air conditioning in all larger delivery vehicles, uh, sprinter vans, and package cars after January 1 of 2024. And our, all cars will get two fans and air induction vents in the cargo compartments, and the teamsters will also receive MLK Junior Day as a full holiday for the first time, and no more forced overtime on Teamster drivers' days off. Drivers would have kept uh, would keep one of two work week schedules and could not be forced into overtime on scheduled off days. So, Jim, this this seems like a pretty major achievement for the uh, Teamsters Union. It is. And, you know, they're, uh, the Teamsters represent approximately 340,000 members uh, nationwide. You know, I'm the I'm the president of the West Central Florida AFL-CIO. The AFL-CIO represents uh, all various different affiliates, teachers, Teamsters, operating engineers, laborers, uh, you know, federal and municipal, state municipal workers. Uh, the Teamsters are, are a very strong union. And, you know, as, as we see, they've 
they still have to have this vote approved by the membership, but they really secured incredible gains in their economic package. But uh, but also all the conditions that that you listed. These workers are working in warehouses and driving trucks. They're uh, they're they're working in incredible uh, heat and exposed to the the weather. Uh, so, you know, the whole labor movement has been watching this develop. And I think the way that they the Teamsters secured everything is they became really militant. Uh, once their general president Sean O'Brien was elected a little over a year ago, he. He came right out of the gate saying, look, we, we're going to be old school Teamsters. We will strike if we don't get what we want and we'll shut the economy down uh, for our members to make sure that we get uh, good conditions and, and good pay. So they they became really, really militant and started ramping up negotiations and um, and putting pressure on UPS to come to the table with a, a fair deal. And they started it you know, a year ago. Yeah. They made it very clear right from the start that they weren't going to back down. Now, you talk about Sean O'Brien, and of course, he replaced uh, James P. Hoffa, right, who uh, had the last contract a few years ago. And from what I'm reading, Jim, is that uh, that was that, that last contract that Hoffa negotiated, uh, the rank and file weren't pretty happy. We're not happy at all with that. No, they weren't. And it's good to see a, a swell of unionism um, across industries, right? Teamsters, you got the screen actors that are out on strike right now. The Writers Guild, IATSE is standing in uh, solidarity with uh, with the screen actors as, as well. And, uh, you, you know, Starbucks workers unionizing. Uh, you're, you're starting to see the working class really get fed up uh, with being taken advantage of and um, and doing all of the labor that produces incredible, incredible uh, profits for these huge corporations that uh, that want that want to just give workers uh, crumbs, and I don't think anybody was you know asking for the whole pie. Workers just want a piece of the pie. They're they're tired of getting crumbs, and that last contract wasn't good. The rank and file was not happy with uh, with the with the contract that that was negotiated, and I think they had a lot of faith in their new president, Sean O'Brien, that he was really going to negotiate a contract that was good for the workers. They weren't gonna acquiesce. They weren't gonna negotiate some backdoor deal. And they, they, stood, they stood solid uh, on the front lines and with the union leadership to make sure that they got their rank and file members real significant increases. It was a really beautiful thing to see. Uh, nationwide, the whole, whole labor movement has been watching this. Um, you know, I think a lot of hardcore union activists kind of wanted to see them go on strike. We want to mm -hmm. see a real successful strike to re-energize the labor movement. Uh, a strike is also the hardest thing a union member and, and their family can go through. Um, so I'm, I'm glad ultimately that they that, that they have a really good tentative agreement on the table uh, that gives the gives the rank and file members uh, everything that they asked for. Again, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Jim Juneco from the Florida AFL-CIO talking about this uh, negotiate this uh, tentative agreement between the Teamsters and the UPS that was uh, arrived at earlier this week because it did look like they were uh, going directly towards a major strike uh, that would begin early next week. They averted that. Um, I, Sean, you mentioned, of course, uh, Jim, that you mentioned about Sean O'Brien, the Teamsters president. Uh, I, I heard that he did not want President Joe Biden to get involved in negotiations. Uh, I don't not I don't know exactly what that was about, but I do know that there was, of course, last fall you had that uh, potential strike between freight rail workers and their union. And I know that the Congress passed a measure that basically forced management and labor to accept a, a the deal that the White House negotiated, which um, 
you know, because that was the, the White House was freaking out about that happening. Right. And uh, I guess there was a, a pay increase, 24 percent for workers uh, and a bonus of around eleven thousand dollars. But a lot of workers, uh, they said they didn't get a great deal out of that. They were guaranteed just one paid personal day off and no dedicated sick days out of that negotiation last year. Uh, and so I think, right, Sean O'Brien was like, you know, unless, you know, this thing goes deeper and, and goes on for weeks and weeks and it really hurts the economy, that uh, he didn't want Biden to be involved with this at all. Yeah. And, you know, the president, President Biden has been great for labor and he's, you know, he's been the most vocal supporter of unions as a president. And I think there's a lot of people in organized labor that appreciate uh, the president for his union support. But there was definitely some disappointment with how that went down. Uh, those rail, those rail workers were ready to strike. Uh, you know, they were really getting a raw deal. They didn't even have sick days um, and they were they were ready to strike. And for Congress to intervene and force those workers to accept a deal that that they did not want, uh, there was definitely some bad blood there. So I think when uh, General President uh, O'Brien with the Teamsters said that he didn't want uh, the president or Congress to uh, to intervene, he was speaking on behalf of the rank and file members who said, look, let us negotiate as a union. That's that's why we're a union. We have the right to negotiate. These are our demands. This is what we're worth. And we're not going to stop until we get what we want. Um, so, it, you know, it was a uh, it was it was kind of a raw deal that the rail workers got when uh, when the president and Congress uh, stepped in and kind of took away their their voice and took away their power to uh, negotiate as a union. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, this has been, as you mentioned earlier, uh, we've got, of course, a strike going out in Los Angeles with or in New York and around the country with the, the actors and the writers, Starbucks as well. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned this, but we've also got a potential strike with United Auto Workers uh, and. Interesting uh, is that they have not, you know, like most of big labor, you mentioned Joe Biden, you say has been really good for labor. Uh, uh, the United Auto Workers, maybe because I know there's these concerns regarding like electric vehicles, but they uh, they have not endorsed Biden yet. And that some people are, are have noticed that and they are going into negotiations on behalf of their nearly 150,000 members. Are you are you following at all? What's going on with that, Jim? Yeah, I think, you know, most importantly, we're seeing a rebirth of true militant unionism uh, going back once again to the working class being fed up with being taken advantage of and increasing profits for companies uh, only to get scraps uh, thrown at us off the table. So, uh, Jim, you there? Okay, like we've had maybe a breakdown there with our uh, Zoom communications. Let's try to uh, re rejigger that going on right now. Uh, again, if you're just tuning in right now, you're listening to The Skinny here on WMNF. Uh, if you'd like to uh, call in, speak with Mitch, myself, or Jim about labor, 813-239-9663 is the number. You can send an email to dj at wmnf.org or send a text to 813 885. Okay, yeah, we'll try to work to get Jim back on here. Um, and I want to say, uh, actually, recording we, stop, recording okay. in progress. All right, all right. Hey, we've, we've got a phone call here. What's that? We got Simon calling in from Lakeland. We'll bring up Simon here. Hey, Simon, you're on WMNF. Hi, how you doing, guys? Good morning. Um, I guess when I was listening to the gentleman speak, what I found most troubling was that he applauded the thought of shutting down the American economy. Um, the history of unions 
If you look at Syndicalism by George Sorrell out of France, which Mussolini adopted, was fascism, where unions controlled the country. And so the beauty of capitalism is that it's efficient and it tries to seek efficiency. I will start using FedEx from now on because I felt as though he was trying to say that the country was being held hostage by the union. Okay, so but like so, so you're you're not going to use UPS anymore because of Jim's comment, though. I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying. I, I think what he's saying is is well, what, what's what's Simon? Oh, yeah, yeah, Simon, what, what, explain that. Well, I, I you know workers should be entitled through negotiations to seek what they feel is a competitive hourly wage. I'm not in that industry. I'm in the healthcare industry. I'm a healthcare provider. I'm not unionized. Could you imagine if the physicians in this country were unionized or the dentists across the country at one time for the whole week took vacation at the same time because we wanted to get reimbursed higher by insurance companies? The effect is going to be that costs are going up. Costs are going up at UPS. Costs will be going up as well with the stamps going up 30% in the last couple years. So there's always a trade-off. The UPS drivers are going to get a raise. It's going to be pushed on to the public. Okay, Simon, thank you. So yeah, we've got thanks. yeah, thanks for the So, call. Jim, are you back with us? Jim's not there. You, you know, something that Simon mentioned is, okay. is, is he would Thank you, switch Simon. to uh, FedEx. And I think FedEx and the other delivery services were pretty clear that they wouldn't be able to handle the volume. And according to NPR here, UPS delivered an average of 24.3 million packages per day in 2020 or <laughs> last year. I, I don't know of any place that's going to pick up that kind of slack. So Yeah, I mean, I, well, again, and I hope we get Jim back because I really want him to respond as a guy from labor to hear because, because I mean, uh, anyway, let's go with that. Uh, let's see here. We have other, okay, call going on here right now. Well, we, we, what I want to say is we'll get Jim back, hopefully either phone or, or Zoom before we segue out of the segment here, um, is that I want to talk about the fact that uh, because, you know, Jim's talking about the, the labor union uh, movement having a big moment this time, uh, this summer. It ain't so great here in the Sunshine State, right? So, of course, we had this uh, bill, um, some would, I think some would call it accurately a union busting bill that passed in the legislature this year that is making it very tough for public service unions, especially the teachers union. Um, that is where uh, basically it, it took away automatic dues deductions, right, where people uh, in unions get their um, union dues taken out of their checks. Uh, and people now in the union, because of course we're a right to work state, which means you do not have to, you can work at a company that is unionized, but you do not have to be belong to that union. And so it makes it much tougher for unions here in Florida. Uh, but now you have to ask your employer that you want, uh, X amount of money taken out of your paycheck to pay for union dues. The idea behind that from the, uh, Republican supporters is that there's going to be fewer people doing that. Uh, and therefore, they also put in this bill that if it's less, I believe it was 60% of the members of, the, of a company uh, are dues-paying members, that union 
uh, becomes decertified, which means it dissolves, which means the uh, the labor movement in Florida, which is, you know, again, not as robust as in many other states, certainly blue states. Oh, we've got Jim on the phone here, right? I think this is the deal. I'm going to bring Jim up here right now. Uh, hello, Jim? Yeah, hey, Mitch, I'm so sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. No problem. We got you on the phone. That's all that matters here. So anyway, if you heard, um, did you hear Simon at all, uh, our caller? Uh, who I guess he he didn't like what uh, you were saying basically, and says now he's going to go uh, go through FedEx now basically. Yes, right. Well, there you know the, these. Co- I think he was talking about uh, prices going up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, you know the fact is prices have have already been increasing. Uh, these corporations, these huge companies, make uh, billions of dollars in profits, and uh, you know this is just another example of corporate greed. Uh, so the workers are, aren't the problem. The, the unionized workers aren't the problem. The problem is corporate greed. Just as we're seeing automation take over in CVS and Publix and McDonald's, all these kiosks that put the put the uh, responsibility onto the customer, the prices aren't going down anywhere. Uh, these, these companies are going to keep increasing their process, their their prices that they pass on to the the consumer, uh, and it has nothing to do with uh, with labor. We. You had talked about UAW before we yeah. connected, and in fact, back in the 70s, when when the auto industry started shipping uh, its auto making uh, processes overseas to overseas factories, uh, there was something like only 10 percent or 20 percent of the cost was the actual cost of labor. So, um, you know, the the people that perform the work, it's it's a necessary component. If we're going to be investing in anything, we need to be investing in the people that are doing the work, companies are going to set their prices and they're going to make profits uh, uh, regardless. So it doesn't have anything to do with a unionized workforce when it comes to increasing uh, uh, prices. Uh, Jim, a listener writes in, he asks, are the unions in the AFL-CIO pushing for an end to right to work for less laws here is the the question. Yeah, we're, you know, we um, engage our elected officials, um, every step of the way. And we would love to do away with right to work laws. Florida was the, the first state to go right to work. Um, uh, and way back in the, in the forties. Uh, so, you know, until we have some labor friendly, um, um, elected officials in the Senate and the, and the house of, uh, representatives, it's going to be a real uphill battle. Uh, but we're going to need to, uh, we're going to need to com- you know, continue pushing for it. But, that's absolutely one of our priorities. Uh, right to work is the right to work for less, and we need to overturn those laws. Um, it's going to be a while before we're able to do it here in Florida. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, we want to make sure to bring up, though, before we let you go, we were just mentioning this. Okay, let's talk about what's going on here in Florida. Of course, the, the, the bill was passed this year uh, that uh, is, is making it basically, well, I mean, what you described, I think I described what it was in terms of uh, now the automatic dues are not deducted. Employees who now belong to a union have to ask for that themselves. The idea being that fewer employees will do that, which could potentially uh, have uh, unions go away. And we're seeing, I think, uh, especially with these teachers unions, which uh, of course have been, uh, the legislature does not like, uh, are really apparently struggling right now. And this is a really, this is a really big deal. What can you tell us the latest what's going on with some of the local teachers unions in the state of Florida here and how they're trying to stay viable right now. Sure. Yeah. The Senate bill 256, uh, was a blatant attempt, uh, to, uh, to union bust. And, um, you know, it's really unfortunate. We've seen some local unions respond really well and they're, they're organizing like hell. 
and uh, signing up uh, more members. But this bill, uh, taking removing the ability to have union members pay their union dues uh, easily through payroll deduction, turns unions into a collection agency, and it makes it really, really difficult uh, to to remain afloat. And the Florida AFL-CIO, um, you know, I'm not going to. Uh, try to dress this up and make it look pretty. This is this is going to be debilitating. We're we're anticipating thirty to forty percent uh, losses in uh, in uh, in per capita and state revenues, and it's an attempt to uh, to weaken unions. Some of the larger teachers unions have really responded well. Um, you know, it's difficult for them now to make contact with teachers since it's summer vacation, um, but they're they're really. Uh, doing some incredible outreach to their membership to get them signed up. There are some federal lawsuits that have been filed to uh, uh, hopefully file an injunction or stay on the, on the law. Uh, but this is really going to hit some smaller locals. Uh, some of the municipal locals are really going to struggle to, to get uh, members transitioned to paying e-dues. So um, it's, it's, going to, it's going to have a, a, a real big negative impact. There's no doubt about it. I think it's going to uh, also reinforce the the need to just go back to old school union organizing and talking to coworkers about why unions are important. The only way that we can overcome this is to organize. Hey, Jim, let me ask you uh, real quick. You know, something that Simon said, he's not a union member. Um, but even if you're not a union member, you reap the benefits of the work um, of a union. And, and labor is like this interesting thing because oftentimes it's very bipartisan and really <laughs> he talked about capitalism and the efficiencies and whatnot. But tell me from uh, what you've observed over the last few months organizing, getting ready for this, you know, militant action, becoming a militant union, how bipartisan uh, and, and uh, politically diverse is the labor movement? Yeah, you know, there's a pretty fair uh, split. Um, you know, the old, uh, I think the old image of unions was that it was all democratic, uh, but there, there's a pretty fair split. My, my union specifically, we're the operating engineers. We represent crane operators in the construction industry. Uh, here in Florida, there's a heavy lean uh, Republican. But if we can stick to working issues, issues that actually affect uh, people and their families, pay, benefits, pension, health care, uh, raises, having the protection of a union contract, uh, having a voice, having a seat at the table. When we can stick to issues, uh, we can overcome the, the partisan divide. And uh, it, right now, politics being such a, a, a volatile topic, we try to avoid talking political party when we talk to our members and really just stick to the issues that affect us all as the working class. Jim, we ask you this uh, in the last few minutes we have with you. Uh, these unions, some of them can't survive, like say just the teachers' unions. W will that affect you and your office at all? I mean, do you get funding at all from these other unions? The the majority, as a central labor council, um, it will because you know we're the umbrella, uh, we're the union of unions essentially. We're the umbrella organization that represents all the affiliated unions. And it, it could potentially have a, a drastic impact on us uh, being able to sustain um, the salaries for our field representatives. We're going to look to creative uh, avenues, uh, grant money coming in, and, uh, and, and ask some of our larger, uh, more financially sound unions to contribute so that we can retain our, our staff. This goes for us locally and across the, uh, the state. But um, 
you know, true unionism uh, starts from the ground up. So we're just we're just hoping that this is going to re-energize our base. It's, it's such a blatant attack on working um, on workers and, and collective bargaining rights. Um, and we're just going to have to respond in force by uh, by organizing. All right. This is Jim Janetko you've been listening to. He is the president of the International Operating Engineers Local 487, part of the Florida AFL-CIO. Jim, it's good to talk to you. Let's, next time, let's get you in the studio here and we can go talk more because obviously as we watch what happens with uh, with this union bill and how it affects labor unions in Florida, it's going to be a continuing story the rest of this, rest of this year. So thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Jim. Hey, I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you, Jim. Jim Echo. And we want to have a couple callers here that want to talk about unions and before we transition to our next guest. So let's go to the phones here. Let's go to Sarah from Tampa. Hi, Sarah. You're on the air. Hey, thank you so much for taking my call. I just want to kind of uh, go back to a previous caller, the doctor, or the I'm assuming he was a doctor, talking about UPS and he's not going to use it anymore because he's, you know, I got the sense that, uh, he's not really sure that unions are that important. And I just want to push back a little bit. Um, I don't know very many doctors or dentists in this country who don't make a very good living. They don't need a union. They have good health care. They have a pretty good income. And I would just venture to say that the comment that was made really speaks to how out of touch some people are in relationship to the plight of people that are working. I was a nurse, and I worked my ass off to get a union in because we were being taken advantage of. We were being given many, many, many patients above what was safe to make money for the institution. None of the doctors were supporting us. They all just, you know, like I said, they have really good incomes. They have really good benefits. And I really think that to say, well, I'm not going to use UPS anymore because, you know, I don't think that that what they're doing is right, just really speaks to me how out of touch people are with the plight of working people. And I just want to close by saying that when President Biden is referred to as the best president for unions, I find that a joke. I find it laughable. He screwed the railroad workers. Mm-hmm. He didn't do what needed to be done. Those those workers deserve, they deserve uh, sick time, right. they deserve time off, and by God, I don't know how the man that, that doesn't want to use UPS feels about that Palestine train that was right. really, really long yeah. with only two crew, and the third person that was counted as crew was being oriented. So I'll close with that. But Thank you, Sarah. Really think that yeah. people need to be more aware of what goes on on the, the, the lower places on the uh, of our economy. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and then, uh, what's one more call, and then we'll go to Daryl Rasson. Uh, Amy from St. Petersburg. Hello? Amy, you're on the air. Oh, hi. This is Amy, yeah. Um, you know, just to, to Simon, he really gets everybody moving, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> he it's like the chicken or the egg, which one came first. That's the analogy when you say, you know, that workers need to ha- need to be valued and be paid a day's uh, wage for a day's work. Uh, it, it both you need both workers and Ohio, the city of St. Pete. All the workers were negotiating this year. This uh, not, well, a couple 
last year, and um, they wouldn't have gotten anywhere without the union support. And they were being dealt the worst, the worst um, proposal in 20 years at the worst time. And we really city workers because rents are sky high. Inflation has gone enormously up continuously. So, you know, all these people that cleaned up all the dead fish when we had that Piney Point disaster, um, you know, they were there. They were cleaning up. And we had the room full of people. And unless, uh, you know, I, I definitely am union and I spoke out with my union. And I had the support of my of the people. And if I was there by myself, it would have been different. And not only that, some people didn't have the confidence to show with, you know, even with a union. They were too afraid to speak up at, at city council to let city council know what was happening and what an egregious, horrible deal that the human resources department was trying to give them in the contract. It was it was uh, the worst offer ever. And we really needed the union. We need them now more than ever. And I, I really appreciate your guest having your guest on. And uh, the chicken and the egg are equally as important. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. All right, let's transition now. But actually, let's stay on the topic. Uh, let's, welcome, Daryl Rusan, to the studio. Thank you. Good morning. All right. Daryl Rusan, uh, just turned 68, I believe, right? Happy birthday. Happy birthday yep. to you. July 20th. Thank All you. Right. It's right. always of course. good to get another birthday. Uh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. It's nice to have your birthday not during the session, too. <laughs> so, um, but I, let me talk to you about this union bill, Daryl, which I know you opposed uh, the session because it really just shows about how the change of a few members, right? You're obviously in a, Democrats are in a super minority in both the House and Senate. But I believe five members, Republican members, voted against this union bill. Uh, four years ago, when uh, you know, the, the, as you know, the um, uh, some some people have been trying to push this bill for years in Tallahassee. They have not been able to do it because there's been resistance from enough Republicans to basically say, "Don't let us vote on this bill." But with the 28-12 split, they were able to leave lose five Republicans, including Ed Hooper here in Clearwater, uh, Joe, Joe Gruders from Sarasota, uh, and yet they still got the bill through. I think it was twenty three seventeen. Again, another reason why. Uh, it's, it's tough being the super minority in Tallahassee when you're the Democrats. Yes, it is. And uh, it, it's the result of some bad legislation getting passed that you correctly said met resistance before. But we're very thankful for those Republicans that crossed over to vote, us, to vote with us because it's about the working class. It's about them being represented adequately by unions to get a fair day's wage for a fair day's work. Yeah, absolutely. want to ask you, there's a lot to get on the plate here. Uh, Ray and I both have a lot of questions for you, but, uh, but let's bring up something that just happened last Friday. I think I know you're very happy about this. Two black farmers have received licenses to grow, process, and sell medical marijuana after a new state law, which you were responsible for, helped clear the way for these long-awaited licenses. Uh, last week, the Florida Department of Health issued the licenses to Sewanee County farmer Terry Donald Gwynn and Bascom-based Shedrick McGriff. 
they are, this is, of course, part of HB 387. Uh, the bill was aimed in part at helping carry out a 2017 law that uh, earmarked a medical marijuana license for a black farmer with ties to doing business in the state. That's part of the decades-old class action lawsuits known as the Pigford cases, which was the U.S. Department of Agriculture uh, issue uh, discriminatory lending practices against black farmers. Uh, Daryl, this should have been ha- this should have happened what six years ago, right? It should have happened six years ago. We know that minority business owners have have a tough time getting access to not only capital, but entree into certain industries. But the black community has suffered disproportionately from prosecutions, incarcerations, and things like that than other communities. And why shouldn't they participate in this industry largesse? Yeah, and um, and your bill, uh, it, it also allows, right, I think there was 12 farm, black farmers who applied for the license last year. They are all technically now in, uh, because the, the uh, Department of Health is going to, I think, give out 20 more licenses this year. So those other black farmers are very much in the mix for those as well, right? They are. And we know that some, you know, it was alleged that some got deficiencies in their application but the bill, the amendment that we filed on the bill would allow them to cure that within 90 days. We hope that there'll be up to 11 uh, black farmer licenses issued. Ray, you want to? Yeah, thinking about capital, and it's crazy when you think about the long career uh, that, that you've had up up in Tallahassee. You've supported, you know, mental health and addiction counseling, um, assault rifle bans protection of the Florida Springs, which recently has started to really ramp up with Wikiwachi. Um, and, 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 and so one thing that really the only thing I've ever seen you take criticism for is taking money from petty lenders sometimes. Um, petty lenders providing high interest short-term loans. Some people call them financial quicksand. But in, in some states, um, they've passed comprehensive reform on petty loans. Um, they still go out. Um, but uh, some say that the reforms have lowered the cost of these these loans. What's what's your feeling on payday loans these days, um, specifically reforming them and or creating more safeguards in Florida, maybe smaller payments? installments, things like that. We need to create more safeguards, but there's the population of the unbanked, those who don't have uh, banking accounts or access to banking accounts, and financial literacy uh, is important. I support payday loans for the unbanked, but we must do more regulations and be sure that this population of people are not being taken advantage of and preyed upon by the financial industry. Again, if you're just tuning in right now, where our guest is uh, State Senator Daryl Roussan, who represents both parts of Pinellas and Hillsborough County. Is, is, I think your district more Hillsborough than Pinellas? Yeah, it's about 60% okay. Hillsborough and about 40% St. Pete and Pinellas. And I, uh, talking to your uh, consular Barry Edwards, oh, he's hiding back there. Um, I was going to say that you were going to have one more year in office, but you actually get three. You're, you're in office till 2026. Like, how does that work out? I mean, I thought like you had a four-year Well, it works well for (laughs) my constituents who continue to elect me. I was elected five times in the Florida House. But like, so, because, right, you've been, right, you were in the House from 2008 to 2016, right? Eight eight is enough, as they say, the term limits, and then 2016 to 2024, but you're actually going to get to spend, because what's off, half the senators, right, when they had the redistricting, is that how that works, where you get the extra couple years? Yes, I drew an even-numbered district, and that gave me a bump of two 
years. Now, you are an attorney, right? And you're, I know you are, actually, because I've been to your offices. But I, I, meant, I mentioned this because we were going to have you on originally last month. And because I think you had a, a legal, you know, you had to go to court uh, for your job. And this brings up the idea of this whole, quote, unquote, part-time legislature, which really kind of, I think, is a you know, misnomer. And the fact is, is that, you know, legislators make less than $30,000 a year. But you could have an incredibly flexible bosses, right? I mean, you, you take 60 days, literally two months to be up in Tallahassee. But actually, as we know, it's much longer than that. With with the committee weeks, uh, it's basically four months. So um, what do you think, Daryl? Um, I don't want to get you in trouble, but don't you think legislators should make more money, basically, state lawmakers? <laughs> I do. That's a no-brainer. Okay, okay, you're good but with you, that. Okay, You have to have an understanding boss because you're actually away five to five and a half months out of the full year. In Tallahassee, I'm very grateful to Rubenstein Law, 1-800-FL-LEGAL. Oh, okay. Can we bleep that out? We're not supposed to do that, Daryl. Shame on you. Hey, by the way, okay, speaking of payday loans, Peter from St. Petersburg wants to talk about payday loans. Ray, you brought up a big issue here. Peter, you there? Oh, we got to tap him. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Well, it's not so much about payday loans, but this could work into it. Uh, Senator mentioned about so many people without bank accounts. Now, I have a solution for that and also would help the U.S. Postal Service. For years, the Postal Service has been trying to set up a system where people could come in and set up bank accounts. You could do that. This way, people who don't have access to the Wells Fargo's Bank of America or the regions, whoever, would have access to money. They can already get Western Union or postal orders, so why not expand it? And with that... Once they develop some credit in their system, they can then at that time qualify for loans at low percentage rates. So you would solve that by, one, giving access to people who don't have those accounts, and two, you would help the banking system or the, you know, the revenue system towards the postal office, which would help them because, you know, everybody cries about how the postal office is draining their funds because they have to prepay all their uh, retirements which is another thing that Congress could fix, but that's another issue. But as far as money, I think Postal Service could set up accounts, and that would really solve two problems at once. Thank you for being there and speaking the truth. Thank you, Peter. Postal Service has a bank. Well, it sounds like a good idea. I'm willing to entertain it. One of the things behind payday loans is to allow the unbanked to build up credit and then use that credit to go to traditional sources and, and obtain loans with a history behind you. Uh, we've got a letter. Let's see, Dave from Sarasota writes, uh, uh, Senator Rasson, do you support a bill to allow for illegal help growth or help growth and production? Hemp, hemp, yeah, well, I think he meant hemp. He says yeah. help. Yeah, hemp growth and production. Uh, also a state bank for Florida. He's got a couple questions in here. Um, I support it for, to develop the growth of hemp. The hemp industry, right? Yes. Yeah, you, you knew. How about that bill, right? Did, did you? Would you, you remember that bill that was introduced this year? That was we talked about a lot in the show here. That was going to limit the uh, amount of THC in uh, hemp products. Yeah, which is a good bill because hemp is not supposed to be used to get high. Okay, so right, you don't like the Delta Eight, which is out there in these smoke shops. That's right. Yeah, that bill will be coming up, I'm sure, next year in the session. Um, 
Okay, but I have to admit, though, I'm not all the way there on 100% full legalization of recreational. Oh, okay, that's some news here. So, right, we have uh, that bill, excuse me, not a bill, we have a proposed constitutional amendment, which has already required a number of signatures, so it just needs Supreme Court review. And let's let's talk about this, because, Daryl, you are, you've been very frank about this over the years, a recovering addict. Uh, And so I know when it comes to drug issues, sometimes, you know, you take a little bit of a different uh, nuanced stance on this. So this constitutional amendment, if it's on the ballot, which it's not yet, but if it is, it would allow people 21 and older uh, to have access to or legally have recreation uh, cannabis. Uh, You're not sure if you're going to support that or not. That's correct. Um, And I I, want to ask why you're not sure only because like, are you just why won't you just say you're against it? Well, I'm 25 years, four months, two weeks, and three days clean after smoking marijuana, doing cocaine, and drinking alcohol, only through the grace and the mercy of God and the 12-step program of recovery. I've seen in treatment centers what the destruction is when people become addicted to marijuana. I've had family members be impacted by an addiction to marijuana. Uh, but I voted for medical marijuana because I'm not God. And if science and medicine say that there's a subset of people that gain relief from medical, the medicinal properties contained in marijuana, then who am I to say no to that relief? But recreation is a whole nother ball game. And I'm still studying that issue. Okay. Looking at okay, it. Okay. Well, uh, the well, people will yeah. have their way. You know, some people equate uh, recreational marijuana to alcohol, and we certainly allow alcohol by adults. And uh, and many would argue that it's uh, not as safe as alcohol, right? But, you know, again, we want to get into a whole discussion with that. Um, Again, if you're just tuning in right now, uh, Daryl Rousson, state senator from the Hillsborough Pinellas area with us. And for the next 14 minutes or so here on The Skinny, let's go to Layla from Brandon. She wants to talk about, I think, the uh, prison system here, the correction system. Hi, Layla. Hi, um, I would just like to uh, first thank Senator Rusan for his service to our community. Um, secondly, I would like to um, ask the question of where do we stand with getting air conditioning into the prison system in the state of Florida? I didn't believe that was true. I heard it. I went on a tour of the Polk City Prison, and I was astounded that, you know, these buildings are built in the 30s and it was very hot, and that was like a month and a half ago. Yeah, that, no, that's a very yeah. real issue, Layla. I think the only prisons that are, are do have air conditioning are the private prisons, actually, in Florida. Daryl, you've worked a lot on criminal justice uh, efforts, uh, successfully because, you know, Tallahassee's not been favorable to that. Um, we're not really anywhere when it comes to getting air conditioning in our prisons, are we? No, we're not. We're still raising the issue and fighting for it. But there are those in leadership positions that believe uh, prisons should not be comfortable. Well, unfortunately, with the heat index the way it is, it's not um, It's not uh, possible to say that's acceptable anymore, in my opinion. But I would just like to thank you. And also, um, there is reentry, and we can do reentry. We can try to uh, do better reentry and get job skills. And my thought is, why not enlist the help of the solar energies uh, for the prison system and make it an apprenticeship program for the state prisons to install the panels through an apprenticeship with solar panel panels and get a cost 
savings by introducing workers to their uh, business, uh, putting in solar panels for decreasing our utility bills. Wow, that's I a like very, that yeah, idea. Yeah, very original idea there, Layla. Thank you so much for calling in. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Okay. Oh, sorry. I cut you off there again. If you're just tuning in, we're st- speaking with State Senator Daryl Rousson, represents the Hillsborough Pinellas area, has been in the legislature since 2008, in the Senate since uh, 2016. Uh, and, Daryl, I actually, what Layla talked about with the heat, which, of course, you know, we've, it's been a huge issue this summer, and we're only halfway through the summer, if, if that, that. You co sponsored heat illness prevention legislation this past year. I just wrote, recently wrote a story about that. We've had at least two, probably more than that, but two farm workers have died this year uh, from working out in the fields where without, you know, the conditions being that they are. Um, could, could 2024 be the year that this bill gets through the legislature? Um, you know, I talked to Senate, uh, excuse me, Representative Mike Gottlieb from South Florida a couple weeks ago about this. He sponsored the bill in the House. And he strongly believes in it, but he also, he said, I don't know if I'm going to bring it back next year. In the House, we only get seven bills to propose. I want to get bills that are going to get passed. And this bill never got a hearing in 2023. Um, I mean, I know you don't have a crystal ball. You're not Republican leadership, which is where it matters here when it comes to these bills getting through. But what do you think? Because of the increased attention to the heat this summer, Maybe that that bill get looked at a little more favorably next next session. Yeah, that was Senate Bill seven hundred six by Senator Anna Maria Rodriguez that I co sponsored. I intend to have a discussion with her about bringing it back because of timing. You know, it took eight years for texting while driving to pass in the legislature. Sometimes progress comes slowly or incrementally, but sometimes progress comes as a result of crises, and we're certainly in a heat crisis right now. Absolutely. Okay, let's go back to the phones. People want to talk to the Senator Rasson. Mary from Tampa, you're on the air. Mary, are you there? Did I, did I, did I do Okay, I screwed up. Mary, I'm sorry. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, you're on the air. All right, so my comment is about air conditioning in the prison. If some people are concerned that they want the prisons to be uncomfortable, what if they put in air conditioning and then they set the thermometer to be the thermostat to be at say 82 or 85 degrees? That would accomplish that goal that some people have, that it would be uncomfortable, but it wouldn't be cruel and unusually uncomfortable. Okay. Well, no one wants cruel and unusual. You no, know, it's unconstitutional to do that, actually. Yeah. But, but that's just the nature of the heat that we now have in society. You know, it is cruel and unusual for yeah, right. to be those that high temperatures. And I think it also puts everybody at risk of more riots because it's so awful. Well, I've that been working in the guard. criminal justice arena for a long time, like Mitch says, and I hope that we get more progress on common sense ideas like what's been proposed on this show this morning. Yeah. Okay, Mary, thank you so much for calling. Appreciate it. Um, again, uh, 813-239-9663. Uh, we're talking here with State Senator Daryl Roussan. Uh, a couple other things I want to get to before we go back to the calls, Daryl. Uh, let's see here. Um, okay, we got to talk about this uproar about the newly adopted teaching standard that requires middle schoolers to learn that some— Wait a minute. This is the question. Does some African-Americans benefit from slavery? Okay. We've all been following this news the last week. And team, let me ask you about Ron DeSantis— is a uh, reaction to this because now they say it's just one line out of 200 pages, what have you. I'm sure uh, this guy over here would probably say that too. But the thing is, is that um, 
but nevertheless, you know, we can look at that. But but it's a horrible uh, the the reflection or what's come out of this. I mean, most to me, most lawmakers just go, hey, we have to look at this and go over again a little bit. How how do you think the governor's handled this issue since it's been in the news in the last week? I don't think he's handled it correctly. He needed to be stronger in distancing himself from that language. I'm disappointed in Manny Diaz. He should have been stronger in condemning the language as opposed to sending a letter to the superintendents doubling down on it. No one thinks that slavery provided benefit to the slave, the enslaved. I mean, that's like telling somebody, you know, who survived Auschwitz that you learned a survival skill. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Uh, And uh, yeah, (laughs) Ray, you want to say it? No, I mean, sometimes when we talk about these issues... I'm a little bit, I feel like I'm living in another dimension and you mentioned pulling an even number and and having a few more years um, up there in Tallahassee, but you also seem to have like this great grasp, Senator, of how long things take and the arc of of things and and you seem to really be at at peace with the job that you're doing and feel good about what you're doing up there, but I am curious, how relieved are you at not having to run again in this political climate or does it make you sad? Well, it's a double-edged sword. You know, uh, elections keep you on your toes. Uh, Being responsible to the people by having town hall meetings, by communicating with them, uh, keeps you on your toes. Uh, Certainly, I face the voters again. I face them on a regular basis (laughs) when I see them in Publix or when I go to church on Sunday. So it's not like I'm not facing the voters. But there is a part of this that's liberating um, you know, I can really do some things without worrying about the election. And Daryl, you, Daryl Rosan, you have, of course, worked over the years. I mean, again, being the super minority, you worked with Republicans because you basically have to, obviously, to get anything passed. And it's that's what it's about, right? Is it passed good laws for the public? Um, so, you, how how would you describe your relationship with your GOP colleagues? I think I have a good relationship with them. I've never in 15 years had a Democratic governor. I've never had a Democratic House speaker. I've never had a Democratic Senate president. And I made a decision some years ago that I wouldn't be one of the Democrats that stood in the back row and just consistently lobbed bombs and attack, attack, attack. I don't label men and women of the legislature. I don't call them names. I attack their policies, not their persons. And that's how I think I've been able to succeed. All right, let's go back to the phones. We've got Joe in Lakeland. Hi, Joe. Hey, guys. Senator Broussard, uh, congratulations, sir, on your sobriety. Thank and, you. Uh, I, I totally agree with your everything you just said. That is amazing, going against the policy, not the person. Um, I'm a small business owner in Florida, um, African-American business owner of uh, Aerial Media Consultants, this drone company. And we're trying to reach out to um, to present the, how we can help Florida uh, alleviate the mosquito problem with the uh, utilizing drones to spray for malaria in remote areas, rural areas. And we're having trouble trying to get a hold of the right people to even present this idea. Even in Polk County, where I reside, we just it's a lot of red tape for a small business owner uh, to get through to show how we could actually help real-time 
and, and help alleviate this problem because, you know, a lot of the vehicles they use can't get out to these remote places. Uh, we're going to be using the agri- – we're presenting the agricultural drone that sprays pesticides to do this application. But we're just facing a lot of red tape and bureaucracy and uh, having trouble to get this idea before the right people. Well, you're not alone, and I want you to know that there are other black-owned businesses that feel your pain and feel your struggle. I've been contacted recently by a group calling themselves the Hillsborough County Black Chamber of Commerce, uh, Nicole Payne and her group of people trying to make entrees for minority-owned businesses into the business community. Uh, anyone who wants to hook up with this group can call my office at... 727-822-6828. Okay. Thank you, Joe. Thank uh, you. All right. Uh, William writes in. He says, I'm a WMN supporter, and he says, homeless vets are living in tents. Why should we care about convicts? Uh, before, Senator, you respond, I would just say, William, why can't we care about both? But anyway, Senator Rassan. Well, why can't we care about both? Yeah. It's and not a zero sum. It's a big budget. And yeah. we need to take care of both our veterans. Okay. Uh, let's see here. And I want to make sure I'm getting everybody here. A lot of the stuff still from the unions. Uh, let's go back to talk about the unions, actually, for a moment, uh, Senator Rassan, because are you hearing from some of these teacher unions that they're struggling right now to try to get that? Uh, I think they need to get 60% of uh, their members to literally, uh, you know, now they have to take dues deductions themselves now. Uh, these unions will dissolve. They won't be able to help out their uh, their uh, force if, if, you know, if That's they don't get the That's the fear that yeah. they're expressing to me. And, uh, you know, we have been on a summer break. Things are going to cut loose when fall comes around. When do you guys go back to uh, for their first committee hearings? Well, September 18th, the House is in committee week, but the Senate does not go back till October 9th. Uh, okay, uh, I want to make sure. Do you have any other questions for the senator? Before <laughs> no, no. Um, just thanks for a long, great career and, and just your steady leadership. It's, it's been pretty we, fun to watch. I want, I want to get Greg in right now. He's been holding patiently. Greg, we got about 30 seconds here, 20 seconds. Hi. Hello? Yeah, Greg, you're on the air. Oh, yeah. I just want to ask how long we're going to be held hostage by people who believe in a magic man in the sky makes his decisions by a book that's never been proven. I also want to know why he thinks he needs to be the parent to stop people from having marijuana when he was one week. We don't need a parent. We're adults. We make our own decisions. I so said I that was one of my considerations. All right. All right. All right. Well, thank you. We got that in there. All right. Hey, Senator Rassan, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. Uh, and we got to have you back, hopefully, before the session begins, a full-fledged session in January. Um, anything else you want to say in the last few seconds here? I want to thank the voters and the people of Hillsborough and Pinellas County for having supported me all these years. And I hope to go out with a bang. And stay tuned for, uh, thank you, uh, Senator Roussan. Art in Your Ear with Joe Allen is next. On behalf of Skip Sassy, Irene on the phones, Mitch Perry, myself. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you here next Friday.